Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Saw the news yesterday. I don't know if it's news. Uh, Saw the opinion yesterday, report from Dan Patrick yesterday, that Tennessee had been paying players in McDonald's bags. Did you guys see that? Um, Got a lot of attention yesterday on the DP show, which obviously will be on after this show on many of our affiliate stations across the country. And my immediate thought, 100%, I'm going to be honest with you, was there's no way that report is true. Because there is no way any Southern school worth its salt would pay players inside of McDonald's bags <laughs> if they're going to give money Quarter pound to of the anybody. Cheese. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't. It would be inside of a Chick Fil A bag. And and you guys may think that I'm la- that, that this is funny, but I would almost put a hundred thousand dollars if I had to bet on it. If there was any bag being used in a fast food restaurant to pay players, it would be a Chick-fil-A bag. Because, let me just tell you this, every school in the South is got players that are obsessed with Chick-fil-A. And there are a lot of you out there listening right now like, well, I just decided what I'm going to get for lunch. Or you're driving to work and you just made a U-turn and you're like, I got to go get a chicken biscuit. Well, Clay mentioned Chick-fil-A. I, that sounds awfully good this morning. Here I go to Chick-fil-A drive through uh, By the way, I also think Chick-fil-A should be in charge of distributing all the COVID vaccine because if you've ever been through one of their drive throughs it's the most efficient process known to man. But I say this, the reason why they wouldn't get McDonald's is because one I have seen Chick-fil-A distributed right after games at almost every different SEC school in the entire country, right? You finish the game, 
and you walk outside of your locker room on Saturday and there is a huge stack of Chick-fil-A for every player as their post-game meal. Why do they do that? Because you don't have to worry about what somebody wants on their Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich like you would if you're ordering somebody a hamburger. And this sounds simple, but it's why I don't believe the McDonald's story. Because if you want a hamburger, does somebody want onions? Do they want ketchup? Do they want mustard? Do they want a tomato? Do they want lettuce? Do they want cheese or not? Everybody's hamburger order is by and large very specific. And there are a lot of you out there right now who are picky enough. You're like, oh, that hamburger's got onions? Yeah, I don't want it. Oh, that the, there, there's ketchup and mustard and mayo? I only like ketchup, right? Whatever you like on your hamburger, you might not be willing to eat a hamburger otherwise. Chick-fil-A, boom, the Chick-fil-A sandwich, the only thing you don't maybe don't want on there is the pickle yeah, that's, that's easy to remove yeah. and you eat it. So I would love to hear Dan Patrick explain why any Southern school worth its salt would go with McDonald's bags to give players money when they could have gone with Chick-fil-A bags to give players money because the players actually want Chick-fil-A and presumably when you're giving players money on visits, they're going to take a bag from a fast food restaurant that they 100% would eat. I would wager almost every dollar that I have that if there is money being paid, and a lot of people had fun with the McDonald's angle, it would be coming from Chick-fil-A. So that when I heard the report, I was like, oh, it's interesting. I definitely don't dispute that people get paid on every college campus in America that is trying to win championships. Power five schools, basketball, and for football, guys are getting paid left and right. So this idea that's out there that guys are not getting paid or, oh, your school is holier than thou and everything else. No, schools are getting paid. Now, the interesting thing about the Jeremy Pruitt angle to me is I thought Chad Withrow made a good analogy when we had him on. I think it was yesterday, right? He said this would be like deciding you need to remodel your kitchen and burning the whole house down with the way that Tennessee conducts investigations. And I do think that's intriguing in the grand scheme of things Why in the world does Tennessee almost uniquely do these investigations and end up firing their coaches? Because they did it, and you can say, well, Jeremy Pruitt's not a very good coach. Tennessee did this to Bruce Pearl, and I think Bruce Pearl is one of the 10 best college basketball coaches in America. I think if Tennessee hadn't fired Bruce Pearl, he may have won a national championship for the Vols by now. We know he's already taken... Auburn to the final four and he almost beat UVA the team that went on and ended up winning their championship what feels like by the way a very long time ago now because we didn't have an NCAA tournament last year it's been almost two years by the way do you see the story uh the NCAA tournament yesterday they came out with news they are moving the NCAA tournament usually if you are uh, out there listening to us the NCAA tournament usually opens on a Thursday They are now starting the NCAA tournament on a Friday. I mean the big tournament. So instead of it being a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of opening weekend, it's now going to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So some of you are going to need to get sick 
and stay sick from Friday all the way till Monday in order to be able to stay out of work and uh, watch the NCAA tournament. I, I don't necessarily know why that move is being made. It seems like a, uh, a wacky move to me. I think they've decided to put the first four, you know, the four games that they typically are playing on Tuesday and Wednesday. I think they're playing all of them on Thursday is my understanding looking at the, uh, the breakdown. But there are going to be a lot of people out there surprised about the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday as opposed to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But the larger context here in which I'm talking about is everybody out there conducts investigations off and on. I'm not sure why every time Tennessee catches itself, it treats it like they're the only school that's cheating anywhere in the country. And they've done it with a good coach in Bruce Pearl now and a bad coach in Jeremy Pruitt, both of whom were fired effectively for cause without having to pay any money at all. Now, the Tennessee basketball program's in pretty good shape. They got Rick Barnes, although they got run last night by uh, by the Florida Gators. They're in the mix. You know, they were a two seed a couple of years ago. Uh, they're in the mix to win and contend in the SEC pretty much every other year or so uh, with Rick Barnes. Things are going pretty well with the Tennessee basketball program, which proves that really all you need to do is go find a decent head coach and they can put everything back in order, which brings me to a larger context here. There are a lot of head coaches that want this Tennessee job. I have heard personally from five different coaches that everybody out there would know wanting to talk about the Tennessee job and express their interest in it. And I'm not sure exactly which direction Tennessee is going to go. I think they're going to have to make a choice about uh, the athletic director first, But there are a lot of people out there interested. This job, there's decent talent on the roster. The expectations are relatively low. And the fact that Tennessee has decided to come forward with every single thing, in theory, from their investigation means the expectation is the NCAA is not going to take a pound of flesh given the fact that Tennessee has already fired so many different people. But it is interesting When you look at a school like LSU with head basketball coach Will Wade, which basically stuck up the middle finger in the NCAA's direction and said, hey, we're not going to comply in any way here. Remember that long investigation that the FBI got involved in, all those wiretaps and everything else, they haven't even resolved what the penalties are going to be for all of the schools involved in that investigation and it's now been almost four years since that story broke. Meanwhile, whether it's Arizona, whether it's Kansas, whether it's LSU, whether it's Auburn, like all that stuff is still being resolved now. And it's been almost four years, and the schools that have refused to comply with the NCAA haven't had any sort of significant consequences. Meanwhile, Tennessee has got NCAA investigators sitting in on their Zoom calls when they're conducting their uh, their interviews with the head coach, Jeremy Pruitt, and others. And to me, that means that the ultimate punishment is not going to be very severe in the grand scheme of things. Let me bring in the crew. I'm going to start with Dub because you actually went to an SEC school. When you heard the McDonald's story and the SEC allegation, did you have a reaction like me and think, there's no way this is true? It had to be Chick-fil-A if they were actually doing this? Well, I had a kind of a joint reaction. I thought, first of all, this is 
very likely possible, if not true. <laughs> yes. Every yes. SEC, every SEC school does this. You Pays know, players when the, the allegation is that they paid them, gave them money when they came to campus. And so I'm with you in that I think if they basically all are paying players, all right? Like, let's stop pretending like, oh, my God, like, don't grab your pearls and fall on the fainting couch. Like, all of these guys. I mean, when I saw that Creighton, Creighton basketball was alleged to have been paying players as part of that FBI investigation, if I remember correctly, if Creighton is allegedly paying some guy six figures to come play basketball in Omaha, Nebraska, and you're telling me everybody else isn't doing it for uh, for bigger programs for basketball, not to mention football, I mean, you're insane. So, yes, everybody's getting money. It's why I think the NCAA is oftentimes so much of a sham. But, okay, I cut you off there, but I was when the McDonald's story came out, did you have my Chick-fil-A reaction as well? Yeah, and this whole thing, it's funny because you could – you know, pick a region of the country and the the paper bag would change, right? So in like the West Coast or in Texas, it would probably be a Whataburger bag. In the South, it's a Chick-fil-A bag and you go on from there. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's pretty good. Danny G, do you buy in that if they were paying uh, players, it was not McDonald's bags, it was much more likely to be Chick-fil-A bags? Well, the thing I thought about was maybe a Chick-fil-A bag would cause too much attention. Whereas the McDonald's bag is kind of on the low. Like, in other words, if I see somebody walk into a room with a Chick-fil-A bag. You notice it because you're oh, like, oh, that looks good. Hell yeah, it grabs my attention. I wonder what they ordered. Did they get a couple extra packs of the original sauce, which is my favorite? If somebody walks in with a McDonald's bag, I don't even pay attention to that. Yeah, thanks. McDonald's now never spending a dollar <laughs> with the show going forward. Well, uh, I didn't we were say just about to I sign them to an $8 million, dollar, $8 million advertising <laughs> contract. You just blew it up. Uh, it's not that their food isn't good. It's that it's so uh, run-of-the-mill. Like, I'm used to that ever since a little kid. I just got a Chick-fil-A in Burbank finally two years ago, so that's special. What about you, Eddie? Do you think that they would be paying players in McDonald's bags, or are they going Chick-fil-A? Well, I mean, everything I've heard of is, I mean, Chick-fil-A here is still kind of a special thing. It's not everywhere. Uh, and matter of fact, we're supposed to get one where I live and I've been waiting for it to finally open up. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, w- I would say Chick-fil-A makes too much sense. You'll love it, Eddie. It's got pickles. No, no, you- no, I don't like the pickles. But everything. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I just don't buy, like, because it's not only that, I've, that, I, that I know directly all of the different teams. Like, if you walk in the tunnel – after a game, the number of teams that just have Chick-fil-A lined up, because I've wanted to take it myself, for their players is off the charts. So they're definitely, if they're going to give them, you know, like snacks and meal, they're going to go with the Chick-fil-A sandwich as uh, as the way that they convey things. Now, whether or not there are dollars inside of that bag or not, I mean, it wouldn't really surprise me. I do think uh, it, it's interesting. Can you guys remember... Any other school that seems as eager to catch itself cheating as Tennessee? Like, I'm going to open up the phone lines for this, too. 877-996-6369. I mean, if you go back over the last decade, Tennessee with Bruce Pearl, and now this with Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee seems so incredibly eager to catch itself cheating. And other schools, and I'll use LSU as an example, just seem to ship to throw up the double middle fingers to the NCAA and say, we dare you to do anything. And Tennessee is like, 
Oh my goodness, we're falling on our knees. We feel so incredibly awful about what we've done. NCAA, can you please forgive us? What we what do you need from us? We're rending our garments. We're crawling around wailing on the phone. Can anybody else remember a school that is more eager? I, that's why I think the analogy is interesting. You're like, okay, this Jeremy Pruitt hire may not work out. Let's go ahead and remodel the kitchen. And then they just decide to burn down the whole house. Now, I do think in the end result here, they're going to save a decent amount of money because I don't think Jeremy Pruitt's going to get any money based on the wrongdoing that was going here. And so Tennessee's got significant money to spend to go hire a new coach, which is why I think there's substantial interest out there. But by and large, can you guys think of any other team that does this? that has done an internal investigation and just kind of throws itself. And, you know, some of the people out there are going to say, well, this is because they didn't want to pay Jeremy Pruitt, and that was the uh, that was the impetus for this. And I might agree with that on some level if we hadn't already seen it with Bruce Pearl. And, by the way, it also happened with Donnie Tindall, another coach that they brought in. Uh, they did their own investigation and ended up kicking him to the curb, too, so, I mean, these are three different coaches that they have fired for cause in the space of a decade, and I can't think of hardly any other program out there that has fired more than one coach for cause, and most schools haven't even done that. And Tennessee now has done three different coaches where they haven't given anything. I'll open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. This is OutKick. I appreciate all of you hanging out with us. I'm curious if anybody else can think of any other schools that have seemed as eager as Tennessee to catch themselves in wrongdoing. Uh, we'll see if anybody can think of good examples, and I'll take your calls there. We'll also uh, get into in the next segment, also leading into the top of the second hour, this ridiculous New York Mets GM story about all the text messages he sent to a female reporter We'll discuss that as well. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of general tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their general tires test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be uh, all right, we were talking about uh, a lot of different things as uh, some of you are starting off your morning with us now, first hour of the program, reiterating Dr. Chow, who will be on with us, I believe, Friday at Pro Football Doc, says that Patrick Mahomes will play. Uh, he's got a great article up at the front page of OutKick. You can go read that at OutKick.com, and I think uh, you'll be impressed with all of the details that he lays out about why he believes uh, that the uh, that Patrick Mahomes will be able to play. So uh, that is a big information out there that is not being talked about very much. We talked about the uh, Tennessee investigation, Dan Patrick with McDonald's uh, uh, alleging that there was uh, money in McDonald's bags uh, and uh, and me going with the Chick-fil-A angle of there's no way they were using McDonald's bags uh, in the South uh, on a college campus. If they were paying anybody with fast food wrappers uh, and bags, it would have definitely been Chick-fil-A. Uh, and then we started to segue into this uh, New York Mets GM story where he is alleged to have sent 60-plus messages in a row ending with a nude photo to uh, this foreign reporter. And I was said I was going to bring the crew in and we were going to find out. I said, I don't think I've ever sent three uh, unsolicited texts in a row without an answer, certainly not to any member of the opposite sex. 
and uh, and that is a uh, that is a wacky, crazy, like socially unacceptable, in my opinion, move. Danny G, what do you think the most text you've ever sent to anyone? And by the way, I'm curious if you have a story like this, 877-996-6369. Danny G, what about you? What's the most text that you've sent to somebody without getting a response? And keep in mind, I book guests for the show, and I've never sent more than three. For instance, that last guy who we got on for an Animal Thunderdome special who uh, kept the cigar in his mouth and yeah. pried the dog out of the alligator's mouth, sent them two messages, and if they didn't reply back to the second one, he and his wife, I would have left it alone. This guy is psycho, this Jared Porter, and something else that stood out to me about the story, it says here, Porter acknowledged texting with a woman. He initially said he had not sent any pictures of himself. When told the exchanges show he had sent selfies and other pictures, he said that the more explicit ones are not of me. Those are like kind of like joke stock images. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough <laughs> angle to go with. It, you knew why that would he you was going to get joke? fired immediately. Now it happened four years ago. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know what I don't know this guy. I don't know very many baseball GMs in general, right? It's not like I'm some savant of uh, of, of baseball GMs, but I just read that entire article and it, it, it was like every sentence was more of a cringe factor. And I, I I just, I mean, what a weird thing to do. Dub, you are the youngest on the show. Therefore, you grew up basically in the text message generation. Have you ever heard of anything like this where you send 60 unanswered texts in a row? I mean, 60, I mean, think about that number. Your that phone is... just continuing to blow up and you don't respond at all. Like if you just scrolled through... And looked, if I, if anybody ever showed me their phone and they were like, yeah, this guy or this girl has sent me 60 straight texts that I haven't responded to, I would be like, that that person is psychotic. No doubt. And as as for me, I probably sent five or six or seven, but they're usually to buddies complaining about bad beats. <laughs> and it's like at three in the morning and I've had a couple glasses of bourbon. Yeah. And then they'll eventually text me back like the next day. But 62, what an unbelievable, that's like a great round of golf. I mean, I, I read this and I was like, I don't see any way, even before I got to the sending the explicit photos, I'm like, how do you have a GM who is in charge of your team and they've sent 62 texts like this? Like, they have major psychological issues. I wonder if at some point he's going to come out and be like, hey, uh, I had alcohol issues and, I mean, maybe – you get super drunk and you're just like texting people like crazy, but it's still really weird behavior. But at least you could argue, hey, I've recognized that I've had a problem and 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 blame it on something other than psychological instability. I mean, Eddie, if you got sixty plus texts in a row from somebody and you didn't and you didn't respond, I mean, that would be so insanely weird, right? Yes, yes, it would be very, very weird. Um, yeah, this guy is uh, uh, obviously pretty pathetic. Um, you know, get the, take take a hint. Um, but I, I mean, if you're asking me how many how many times or how many texts I have sent without getting a response, I'm sure it was with my wife when she like went somewhere and then didn't let me know like she was there and then turned her phone off and. I'm like, are you there? Are you okay? What's going on? Calling, nothing, and that's happened a couple of times with uh, 
really annoying me on that one. Yeah, your spouse probably is the person that you would uh, text with the most. And I can't even remember very many times where I would have texted my wife three times in a row and not gotten a response. I do remember one time that she had us locked out of the house. And, like, you're calling and you're like, hey, can you get in? Like, all that stuff. Like, that can be frustrating. But, I mean, this is that's a totally different scenario um, in general. I mean, that is just so super weird to think about from this Mets GM to make this decision. And... I don't know, like, I I think about this, I probably get emailed more, and I get, like, if somebody emails me something and I don't respond to it, presume that I'm not interested, right? Like, I'm busy, I get a lot of emails all day. If you're reaching out to me unsolicited and requesting a favor from me with a busy time, and then people be like, hey, I don't know if you got my last email. Hey, I don't know if you got my last email. And sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I got your emails. I don't care about any of them. Stop emailing me. Like every now and then I'll do that. And that's after like three or four emails where I haven't responded. If I'm not responding, it means I'm not interested. If there's a guy out there who needs to hear this or a girl, if you're interested in somebody and you text them two or three times and they don't respond, they got your text. They aren't interested. You're not going to suddenly wow them by sending 60-some-odd consecutive texts uh, to their phone. And I'm not saying, by the way, like everybody would want every text message that they've ever sent to be public, right? I mean, like you kind of think that it's a private text message chain between you and somebody else, so I get that. But when it's just you, 60 consecutive times, probably an issue with you and maybe a psychological issue. What did you think when you saw this story, Eddie? Roberto or Eddie? Yeah, sorry, Roberto. <laughs> uh, uh, this guy definitely had some kind of psychotic issues. Going back to my number, I would say the most has been in like five, and it was probably my wife because I was like worried because she wasn't responding. But five at the most. This guy definitely has some psychotic issues. Four years ago, he was working with the Cubs as a director of professional scouting, so obviously he felt empowered. So he felt like he was some kind of yeah. important guy. And then this is so New York Mets, right? They hired this guy yeah, in, as a GM in December, and now they fired him. Last year they hired uh, Carlos Beltran. They had to fire him last year too. I appreciate the Mets taking uh, the University of Tennessee out of the headlines in many ways by being uh, even more incompetent than uh, than Tennessee in many respects. This guy was desperate. He was trying to show off hotels and the restaurants yeah. he was going to. It says uh, in one of these exchanges where he sent 17 pictures in a row, the first 15 pictures were of the nice hotel and its restaurants, and uh, the 16th was then a photo of a bulge in pants. What a weird dude. I mean, yeah, first of all, like, what girl is like, oh, my God, you're staying at such a nice hotel. I want to see 16 pictures yeah. of it. And then maybe maybe after the 30th, you think you would have thought, like, all right, maybe this is uh, too much. Uh, How I might not be able hotel. to get a GM job in the future. I mean, I went to the White House, <laughs> and I didn't take 16 photos in the White House. I might have taken four or five. How unbelievable does your hotel have to be for you to take 16 photos of the hotel? <laughs> I can't even imagine. Like, if I slept in the Lincoln bedroom – uh, at the White House, I might take maybe, maybe 16 photos from inside the White House. I wouldn't send anybody else 16 photos. But I've stayed in a lot of hotels in my days, and some of them are pretty decent. I don't ever remember taking a photo of my hotel. Like, maybe my wife or kids, you know, out in front of a fountain at a hotel or something. 
maybe them, you know, like, uh, I, I just, it's such a weird thing to do. I do remember, uh, and we'll have to talk about this in the Bachelor Report, they used to film a decent amount of The Bachelor um, at my hotel. I would always stay at the Intercontinental um, back when you could actually travel for television uh, at the intersection of uh, Avenue of the Stars and, uh, and and Pico and Motor and all that area. Like there's the Intercontinental right there by the Fox lot in, uh, in West L.A. And I would stay right there. And I remember taking a couple of photos when they were doing Bachelor uh, filming because I could lean out of my hotel room and I could see them filming the, that season of The Bachelor at the hotel. And like they had a sign up, hey, Bachelor filming going on here. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, so that, that's the only thing I can legitimately remember ever taking a photo of at that hotel where I stay a lot of time uh, over the years. And what a weird like thing to do in general. Dub, do we have anybody who wants to weigh in on the phones before we go to break here? Yeah, we got a couple callers. Let's start with Carl in Mobile, Alabama. Carl, uh, what texting thoughts do you have here? Hey, I just wanted to share that, yeah, I don't have any except for my wife uh, blowing my phone up when I wasn't responding to her in some kind of emergency situation. It was eight, and she was upset. But I wanted to let you guys know, in Alabama, which my wife deals with domestic violence, that is a charge of domestic violence, third harassment. So in the age of texting, that's almost like an attempted rape 60 times. I mean, you guys are charged and serve time for that here. If like a harassment stalking, I would imagine. Thanks for the call. That's a good point. I mean, there probably are statutes in different uh, jurisdictions where if you are texting a girl in particular's phone like 60 times, that does feel like harassment and or stalking. I mean, that's a uh, that's an interesting point uh, that could be a uh, a criminal issue in many different places. And by the way, same thing would go for a girl. I mean, I'm sure. Didn't we have a story a while back about some woman who had gone crazy and texted a guy like some insane number of times? I do remember that. I feel like we talked about it on the show. And I remember the conversation being like, how in the world could you even have the time to send that many texts? And obviously we live in an era in, in, in our industry where people exchange phone numbers a lot without a romantic interest associated with it. So it used to be, like if you're going back even to the 1990s before everybody had cell phones, getting somebody's number was a sign that you were potentially interested in them, right? Hey, can I get your number? It was a big deal. Did you get a number? Like uh, you can think about how that would have gone. Somebody jots down their number on a cocktail napkin or something in a pre-cell phone era, that was a big deal. That was an expression of interest from a woman or a man potentially in you. That's certainly not the case anymore, right? Because everybody for their jobs, particularly in the world of sports or in our jobs, like I book 90% of our guests just by sending text messages. It's not like I send very many emails. It's not like I send very many, uh, make very many phone calls to get guests almost all of our guests for radio are booked via text. And so everybody kind of exchanges numbers in a way that's different than back in the day. Dub, anybody else? want? I think we got somebody else who wants to weigh in. Yeah, one more, Matt in Indiana. Matt, what you got for me? What's up, guys? So I, I formulated for myself the basketball game rule, right? We've got the tip-off, halftime, we've got the buzzer. The tip-off is, hey, you know, you say whatever you want to say, you're greeting, hello. The halftime, you didn't get a response. We're going to make some adjustments. And if you have to send the buzzer text, 
that means it's I'm sorry, it's over, I'm out. That's <laughs> if you said it. So that's the rule. That's the basketball game rule. I formulated this rule because I woke up to – it was it was not 60, but it was 15 to 20 texts while I was engaged to someone else, my, my current wife. Um, somebody sent me 15, 20 texts, and then guess what? She didn't get a response. So you know what happened? She went to Facebook and wrote just crazy, inappropriate things that you could never repeat just to get my attention. And that was it, that was bad, horrible. And that's all I got. Thanks for the call. That's actually a good analogy for guys out there. Opening tip, halftime, and then you're out. So if you if you have to go three, then that's the only way to go. If you haven't gotten a response, honestly, after two, it probably means somebody's not interested. Because if you really are interested in someone and their name pops up on your phone and you get a text from them, you're going to respond to one of the first two texts that they send. Amen. You should be out at halftime, I think. Right? I think for most guys, for any guy out there who needs to hear it, it also is way more attractive to seem like you aren't desperate than to just go way overboard. Now, if there's like, let's say there's six months in between, like you meet somebody, you shot them a text, you never really heard anything, and then you see them six months later and you have a conversation, like there are extenuating circumstances. I'm talking about within a relatively short period of time. Like if you text somebody twice in a week and they don't respond, that's probably a sign they're not very interested in you. And certainly if you go three times and they don't respond, that should be the end of it. Like your relationship should be over there. They're moving on. You're moving on. Uh, We're moving on to Shannon Spake. She's up next with us. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm curious what your answer is. You can hashtag us with OutKick. And Shannon Spade can check and see your answers as well. How many texts in a row without a response is acceptable? Outkick audience right now, respond. Just go hashtag Outkick with what your answer is. We bring in now Shannon Spake. You're around my age, Shannon, so you didn't grow up in the text message generation. <laughs> so you remember back in the day giving your phone number to somebody was a big deal but now it's so commonplace. You know, I don't know how many phone uh, numbers, you, how many people you have saved in your phone. Most people out there have, you know, hundreds at this point, especially if they've had the same phone number for a long time. Uh, when you saw this story, did you read the story about the Mets GM? Yes, yeah, I've seen it. Were you like, oh my God, this is so cringeworthy, uncomfortable, or were you like, this is totally unsurprising to me, this is what women in sports deal with all the time? No, I would definitely say women in sports don't deal with this all the time. I think that from time to time. Uh, so I know that you've been talking all day, like what is acceptable, right? Yes. So are we talking about people that are our husbands? Because I've blown my husband's phone up many, many times when he doesn't get back to me, right? Whether it yes. be like a text message. If I'm not hearing back from him and it's something important and we need to get it done, like I'm blowing him up. Because while I may be this mature woman now, <laughs> uh, we all have a little bit of crazy in us. And back in the day, we didn't, like, we had beepers, right? Did you have a beeper? I didn't have, I had friends who had beepers. They were all dealing drugs, by the way, so. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> I was not dealing drugs. In Fort Lauderdale, it was the cool thing to have No, beepers. I remember the beeper, the beeper generation. There were kids in the uh, in the high school that had beepers, 
And mm-hmm. for people out there who don't remember that era, like the idea of having a – yes. So I do remember that would have been like what? Like 92, 93 yes. was the wheelhouse of the beeper? Yeah, because the cell phones were the size of shoeboxes. Yeah, remember? that's right. Like, and also had, like, super expensive. Friend. Super The Zach yes. Morris cell phone. Uh, yeah, but super $200 expensive. a minute. Yeah, oh Absolutely. yeah, it was crazy. Oh, but I've blown people's beepers up when I was younger, for sure, ex-boyfriends. Even, like, today, like if, like I said, if my husband doesn't get back to me, it'll be like, are you alive? Are you alive? Are you alive? And then I secretly <laughs> hope, like, he is alive, because God forbid, like, something were to happen. And, like, yes. They, this is the crazy thing that, they, you know, the, the ambulance found in, in his cell phone. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I... I have definitely been, uh, I'm guilty of doing that even to today, and I'm guilty of doing it to ex-boyfriends when I was younger. But not to people that I don't know who don't respond. I'm talking people I have relationships with. I would I would get a little psycho crazy so <laughs> with the cell phone beat. When you see, like, I just, I, I see that, like, and in, in the, 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 I felt like the every paragraph of that story was just so cringeworthy, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm taking a picture of the hotel. Here's the hotel restaurant. Like, all of it, like if you, like, it's just so uncomfortable. Like, right? It's just so awkward and uncomfortable and socially maladroit that I just, you know, I feel bad for the girl that she had to deal with it. But I actually just think, like, how could there be someone who is this socially awkward who is capable of rising to a position of prominence? Does that make sense? Like, that was my primary thought as I was going through there because as socially awkward as he was with this girl I'm thinking he must be socially awkward with other people as well I I have had this situation happen not necessarily with people in sports but I've had this situation happen where you're just like I have not replied to this guy's email or this person's email don't they get the point? And sometimes yeah. you just have to tell them, you know, I mean, sometimes they don't get the point. They don't understand that you're not replying to them. And maybe it just inspires them up even more. But yes, it's very, and it's one of those things where you're like, they don't, they don't get the point. Um, and, oh, oh my goodness, sending the pictures. I, see, that's a new phenomenon too, right? The the whole Dick Cheney pictures. Yes. Because that wasn't something that, that, guys when I was going to high school did. I yes. don't care if we had beepers or cell phones or whatever. We weren't we weren't getting those on a Saturday morning when we woke up and were drinking our coffee. Uh, and I know nowadays that's that's the thing that kid, that that these guys are doing, right? I mean, are you doing this? I mean, who's doing this? <laughs> no, I've been married for 16 years. My wife doesn't want to see me naked now. The exactly. last thing she wants me to do is send it to her phone. Uh, so, I mean, she would drop her phone. Right? Yeah, she if would it, be like, well, what? if it worked, I mean, I would send her nude photos all the time. But I mean, I don't. Uh, they'd be tasteful, of course. But I have no idea. Like the idea of taking pictures of my genitals is just ridiculous to me no pun intended uh and she's like clay you want to know what'll do it for me do the laundry that'll do it for me yeah you know what turns me on you picking the kids up without me having to ask you to pick the kids up so no it's like i don't think she wants to see nude photos of me i don't frankly don't think anybody wants to see nude photos of me uh but uh it is like way more commonplace certainly but not out of nowhere right like hey here's the hotel i'm staying at like 60 different text messages um Having said all of this, like the the one of the conversations was how common this this is, and certainly people have phone numbers. And again, I just go back to the phone number used to be an expression of interest. It's very often now just an expression of hey, I need your number in order to do our job. 
right? Like, I mean, this is like in no way an expression of interest like it would have been back in the 90s when getting a girl or a guy's phone number was a big deal because it conveyed that there would be a relationship that extended longer than whatever small face-to-face interaction you might have had. But this is kind of, for some people, I guess, like not understanding boundaries and understanding why you got somebody's phone number in the first place, right? Because I do think this is kind of instructive for a lot of guys and girls that are out there. Like think about what the reaction would be if your text message exchange was written about how many of them would look awful, right? Like, uh, and, and part of that's just context, right? Like you can be making jokes, you can be sarcastic, and without the tone of the conversation conveyed – a lot of people would look awful in their text message exchanges, right? Uh, But I do think this is kind of an eye-opening experience for many people who I bet were cringing as they read through it as well. Well, I mean, this isn't the first time that there's been examples of this that have have happened, especially in sports, uh, pictures or or inappropriate text messages, emails. I mean, we're in a digital world. Everything is saved. Everything is logged. Everything is, is right there. So, yeah, you have to be really aware. And, again, things do not translate well to text. We know this. We know this 100%. You can, you can make a joke. You can say something, and it just doesn't go over the way that somebody uh, believes that, 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 like, hey, this is the way that I interpreted it. Right. Uh, I, see, I've always been, like, I think a little, like, I've, I've always been married since I've been in this industry. So that certainly is a little bit of um, That helps, right, I, because I, people can yeah, see that you have a wedding ring, and, and they're less Correct. likely to hit on you because, whereas there are a lot of single girls who are in the sports industry mm-hmm. that might have a different experience because they're not married at that time. Or I'm just completely uh, oblivious to it, right? I'm just like, oh, hey, uh, you know, and, and, and don't recognize any of that stuff because, and, and yeah, I, I don't recognize any of that stuff. Uh, so I've been fortunate that I've had that wedding ring and, and I've navigated through this. And most of my career, I've also had kids. So I could talk to, to people about their kids and, and do these types of things. But I, but I'm, it happens, you know, I mean, especially when you're a young, beautiful, single woman. And it, it certainly happens. And, and that's, um, I mean, Listen, it, it is, it's, it's human nature. It's um, unfortunate, but you do have to be uh, really aware of things that you send out on, on text messages. And, and some of this, I mean, this is common sense, right? You don't send, you know, graphic pictures of yourself uh, on a text message or, or an email. I mean, we, we just know that that doesn't turn out well. Yeah, and, and now the guy loses his job from four years ago. And I do think that's maybe one of the interesting parts is – you can be very much of a different person from four years ago, right? So I always think that it's an interesting question, and I don't pretend that there is an easy answer, but to what extent are you going to be defined entirely by your past, no matter what you've done? And this is kind of of the big question that I think is out there in general surrounding cancel culture, and I think this guy deserved consequences for what he did, so I'm not saying that, but – you know, if uh, if eight years ago you did something, does that mean that you shouldn't be able to do something? I, I use an example, Kevin Hart, right? Like somebody decide they don't like his tweets. He's obviously a comedian trying to be funny, but mm-hmm. they decide that jokes that he made on Twitter 10 years ago or whatever the heck it was disqualify him from hosting the Oscars 10 years later. Well, that doesn't feel right to me, Right. This feels like, I, I, you know, as soon as this story went public, I was like, well, there's no way this guy's going to be able to keep his job. But partly that's because whatever po- power dynamic was in play, it seemed as if he was using his power to uh, try to take advantage of this woman. 
And so it directly relates to the job that he's in right now, uh, as opposed to, let's say, a comedian who makes a joke that somebody doesn't like, and it's a decade ago. Uh, I, I always think it's interesting what the standard is that's acceptable and not acceptable. Well, I mean, you see it with the kids, like when they're getting drafted, right? And, and they have to oh, go yeah. back and delete tweets from, you know, when they were 14 that they sent out. And, and you know, you're not obviously. And, and I tell my children all the time, I mean, I won't let them be on Instagram things if their friends are doing Instagram uh, stories or whatever. Because I do, I mean, you just don't know. They're, they're 11. They could say something. Not that they're going to say anything. But, you know, you just get worried that that stuff is out there. I did want to ask you. Did you see this story about the young girl that went down to the Cayman Islands that, like, took off her bracelet and went out? Um, I I love this story because this girl got arrested and went to jail for, like, 30 days for not doing the quarantine down in the Cayman Islands. What? No, I didn't hear anything about this. But but you're going to love this, right? Because she gets back to the United States of America and takes full accountability for the fact that she took off this bracelet, the fact that she broke the rules, she went to jail. She wasn't blaming anybody else. What is the rule in the the Caymans? I think she had to quarantine for two weeks, and I think they gave her some kind of, like, monitoring bracelet. And she was there with her boyfriend, who was a professional, I don't know, jet skier, which I didn't even know was a thing, but a professional (laughs) jet skier who was going to be in in some kind of contest. And so she took off her, her monitoring bracelet, went out to watch him compete, got caught, and got arrested and was in jail, I think, for 30 days. I think she was supposed to serve 60. She's come back to the United States now, and she has taken full accountability for what she did, which I think in today's day and age is so rare for, like, a young 20-something-year-old kid. She's like, yeah, I did it. I, I, I deserve to 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 pay the penalty. I deserve to do this. She's been on GMA and everything. And I, I was talking to my husband about that. And I, and I did want to ask you about it because I feel like we make so many examples of people who don't take accountability. And I love that this young girl has come back and been like, yeah, I, I did it. And it's my fault. And, and I'll pay the, pay the price. Yeah. I need to see that story. I mean, that's a wild story. I can't imagine what it's like. You know, I used to do in my prior life, I, and I don't know what the Cayman Islands criminal justice system is like, but in my prior life, I did. Uh, I was a practicing attorney, and I, I'm still. No, licensed. you weren't. I didn't know that. I yeah, didn't know yeah. that you did law. Uh, <laughs> but this actually is going to tie in. I'm still licensed in the U.S. Virgin Islands, oh. and so as bad as you think American prisons are, mm-hmm. Caribbean prisons are absolute. I mean, just you know, they're they're awful. Right. Like right. I mean, they, they don't have anywhere near the same resources. Or if you think our prisoners have it rough, like go to a third world country or go to a poor country like many Caribbean islands are and then go into those prisons and you'll be like, my God, I would infinitely rather be in a United States prison. So when I hear that story, one of the first things I think is and obviously the Cayman Islands are somewhat wealthy because all of the banking uh, related regulations and all the money that's run through there. But I wonder what the prison-like situation or jail-like situation that she faced for 30 days was. But this ties in because, you know, I do the anonymous mailbag. Every Tuesday at Mm -hmm. OutKick, people can write in questions to me and I try and solve them. And to your point about people not taking responsibility, the amount of questions that I read where I'm like, yeah, you're the jerk here. You're the person who is in the wrong, right? Like you're trying to blame somebody else. And and the reason I'm thinking about this is just yesterday I had a question. Guy writes in and he's like, hey, I work at a job and we get gift cards sometimes at the end of the year. And some of my coworkers got gift cards for doing their jobs and I didn't get one. Should I be complaining about this? And I was like, first of all, my position in general is if you want to buy something and you can't afford it, 
and you need a gift card to do it, you need to look yourself in the mirror as an adult <laughs> and figure out why you're making the choices that you are, right? If you're relying on being able to purchase something from a gift card, like you need to just seriously examine your life choices. And certainly you can't whine about it. But I said, you know what? I bet the reason you didn't get a gift card and other of your coworkers did is because you're not a very likable person. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to choose, you know, like who's going to get the gift card, the gift card. <laughs> and you didn't get it. And the way to get a gift card going forward is not to point out that you didn't get the gift card this year. Right. And so I think there's just a huge amount of cluelessness in all of this. Um, and I do like when people just screw up and just kind of say, yeah, I screwed up. I'll own it. Now, God, I would not want to be in jail for 30 I thought this days. Was a great story, though, because I do feel yeah. like we talk so much about people who, you know, you know, don't take accountability. And I was like, this is this is a young woman who could have easily come back here and said, I had to live in these conditions, as you just mentioned. I had to do this. I had to do that. I, and by the way, she got a negative COVID test, so she could have played that card too, right? So she yep. had the negative COVID test and still had to quarantine. But no, she came back and, and her, her grandmother and her, she's like, yeah, I did it. She's been all over GMA. I think um, I think it's uh, I think it's I mean it's a great example. Show my kids. By the way, are you letting your kids watch the inauguration today? How how are you dealing with? Are you going to have them? Well, they're going to be in. School and watch? They're going to be in school because I'm, I'm yeah. fortunate. Both of them, both of my elementary school kids. Well, they're kindergarten and fourth grade. I might flip it on if they were still home. Uh, and yeah. then my seventh grader will be at school. I'm actually curious whether they might turn it on at his school. I haven't asked, um, but that is an interesting uh, interesting question. Uh, I think I'll. Flip I was going to have my kids stay home from school. I was actually. I, I have a meeting that came up, so I can't do it. But we're going to tape it, and I'm going to have them write like a little, um, like a. I don't oh, know. Oh, that's very motherly of you. That's yeah, very well, like uh, educational. It's yeah, it's historic. You know, it's not many opportunities that I think you get to see. Um, I mean, obviously, every four or eight years, right? But I mean, you don't get an opportunity to kind of watch it all play out, and especially with what's been going on in the last year. I think it's a it's a big day. But I was going to keep them out of school and and have them watch it, but but unfortunately, I can't. But when they get home. Well, we're going to record it and have them write a report on it. You know, my dad's like real big into history, just like you. They were yeah. learning the Gettysburg Address, all this stuff. So, yeah, today's, a, I think, um, a good teaching moment for, for this mother. I'm curious what it's going to look like because usually one of the most entertaining parts to me about the inauguration is gauging the body language of the mm-hmm. other politicians who are within camera view of the inauguration, right? <laughs> like, so uh, Trump obviously is not going to be there, but I think also they're going to be so socially isolated that it will be somewhat difficult to see everybody else that's there who usually would be in the normal backdrop, uh, meaning, you know, other prior presidents and everything else associated with that. So uh, I watch, um, but, uh, but you know, I, I, I don't watch a lot of speeches anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. just because they're promptered and I can go read the speech if I really care about reading the speech and I don't like watching the way the news covers them. So Mm -hmm. I either watch it live, uh, but if it's going to be like an hour-long speech, I'm I'm like, I I can't watch this. But I think the over-under for Biden's speech was 20 minutes. So uh, that doesn't sound like (laughs) an, an incredible commitment of time. Yeah, I just think it's a big moment. Like, I, I do like to kind of keep those on. You know, if there's a, you know, obviously when, when McCain passed away and, and they had that huge funeral for, for yes. him, I, I watched it because I just thought it was such a, it's a moment in time that, you know, I feel like we don't really appreciate some of those moments anymore because we are flooded with so much on TV and so much that to kind of stop and watch some of these moments that are beautiful. I've, I've seen them all, the, 
Uh, it looks great with all the flags. Unfortunately, like you said, there's not going to be people there, but I think it does look really spectacular with all of those different flags sort of laid out in the um, in the mall there in Washington D.C. So I still think it's going to be a, a a cool day. You know, it's it's obviously a historic day. So yeah, it's uh, it's some, interesting. Somehow, kind of do it with my kids. I you know getting to go to college in D.C. And seeing so cool. all that pomp and circumstance, and as a history yeah. guy, that was one of the reasons that I wanted to go to D.C., and certainly every four years is a uh, is a moment in time that will echo for a long time throughout American history. So I imagine many of our listeners, uh, whether they voted for him or not, will be watching, right. as they always do. Uh, Shannon, we will talk to you uh, next week. Appreciate the time. Try to stay out of trouble awesome. on your cell phone until then. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it easy on my husband with it. With and the by the way, phone. what are the odds that the jet ski girlfriend would be so responsible? That That's also a big upset, I think. <laughs> jet ski, professional jet skier. That, yeah. I missed my calling. There you go. Boom. That's <laughs> Shannon Spake. We'll come back, close out the second hour next. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock, and there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Bridgestone tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their bridgestone test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Joined now by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Appreciate you getting up early with us, uh, and congratulations on getting through the college football season. Did you ever think you'd be able to hear that sentence uh, delivered and also that you'd only miss two games, Vanderbilt, Georgia, and I believe uh, Ole Miss uh, and Texas A&M is the entirety of the games that were scheduled. You guys didn't get played. It's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, those were the two, and uh, I think we, we hoped, and we had a plan, because hope is not a plan, to, to get to the finish line. But, you know, going back to what, last March, you realize how much was uh, really out of your control. So to to get to the end, uh, to have a conference championship, then to play, the, what, two-thirds of the bowl games we had scheduled, and the national championship game, I have a team in the national championship game. I would define that as a successful season. Not only a successful season, I mean, I think for college football to get played at all and crown a champion is a remarkable achievement. Now that you've had a little bit of time to sit back and think about what went down, when you look back all the way from March up to the, the game kicking off between Alabama and Ohio State, it's one of the most remarkable eight- or nine-month stretches in the history of football. Not only did you guys play almost an entirety of your schedule, but you did it with fans present. You did it without creating any major health conditions, I believe, for any players or coaches. Given the circumstances, it really could not have gone hardly any better than it did. I mean, I think that's probably fair to say, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, from an evaluation standpoint, I I took the position that you had to do it. People are going to do a two-part evaluation. The first is that when we made the decision, which was in late July, early August, a lot of pressure to not play, a lot of commentary about shouldn't play. And really what I said on August 10th, that was the Monday when everyone was, was stopping, was we were going to continue forward, work with our medical professionals, keep trying to learn, put plans in place. And if you think about success, I think we made the right decision based on the information available at that time, delayed our season, lengthened the time to begin. And then, Claire, I think one of the really remarkable things looking back was our first three weeks where we had no disruptions. And yeah. that didn't happen, I think, in, in any other 
sport. I, I think that's true, even as we're seeing what's happening in the NBA and the NHL right now. And then you fast forward to the second point of the judgment, which was going to be at the end of the season, looking back. And we had to stop because of positive COVID tests. Uh, again, to my knowledge, we didn't have any spread, as you said, within the game. Um, you know, people were able to receive treatment. And you have to compare that to the alternative, which gets lost, which is you just stop and send everybody home. You go back to the summertime when we brought young people back on campus, we learned that they had either tested positive upon return or had the antibodies and had had COVID at some point but hadn't known, which is its own public health problem. So, you know, we, we provided uh, health care. We provided oversight. We provided testing, provided treatment, uh, provided a lot of education. I'd argue there's no group of young people that's ever known any more about a virus than they know right now. And um, that allowed us to compete not only in football in the fall, but we named the soccer champion, cross-country champions, and, and played volleyball as well. How close, for people out there who are listening, did college, as you just mentioned, not just college football, but fall sports on college campuses in general, come to not happening? You know, that's a hard one for me right now. You know, if, I, if I sat here, so I'm doing the interview from home before I head to the office, and I'd sit on my front porch and trying to sort through things. And, yeah, there were moments. Uh, in fact, one of the more memorable moments for me was I, I called one of our university presidents, and it was kind of a tough time in mid-late July where you just didn't have great clarity. And I said, look, I, I, don't, I don't know if, if we can play. I said, I can't imagine the answer. In fact, I can't even figure out how to ask the question about not playing football in the fall in the Southeastern Conference. And it was, it was an admission of honesty that we were in a completely uncertain circumstance. And fast forward, one of the lessons I learned was actually from a podcast by a guy named Andy Stanley that in times of uncertainty, to the extent you can provide clarity, that needs to be the focus. And I actually went from that in early August and tried to figure out, well, where can we communicate some level of clarity? Where can we say we're not delaying start? Or, or, yeah, we're not delaying the start. We're setting a new start day. We've got a new format. Here's our finish line. And even when people pressured us to move the finish line, now ah, let's keep, you know, we can adjust, let's get all these games. And we said, no, here's the finish line. And I think those were really, really wise decisions in retrospect. Were you surprised by the negativity from many media covering sports in general, but college football in particular, about the amount of people who were basically saying it's impossible to play? Did that surprise you? And how impactful was that in terms of providing a difficult launching point because everybody's hearing that noise in the media of we can't do this we can't do this which had to filter through to some of the players some of the parents some of the coaches and some of your school presidents and chancellors as well one of the harder parts so the you know was i surprised by that no because there's there's a bit of a, a dwelling on the negative side um and it, it's easy to say, don't. I think we did the harder thing, um, which was to try and to admit, you know, there are no guarantees. Uh, to have honest and candid conversations with student athletes, some of which ended up on a taped conversation published by the Washington Post. And th- those weren't easy. 
Um, and but if we were looking for the easy way out, we we could have just stopped. And so I would suggest it was easy to just point the finger and and say don't. Uh, it was harder to do things, and so you had to you had to block that out, not be inattentive uh, to criticisms. I think you have to use that to inform your thinking a bit, uh, but just that was not going to be my my deciding factors. I do think it influenced people. Um, and so some of the questions we have asked of us were, were clearly generated from media. And if you go back to early August, we had uh, a conversation um, with our full group of presidents and chancellors about the kind of public sentiment. Like, could you play? Our athletics directors had that same conversation. What was really interesting is when the young people who, who comprise our teams finally stand, stood up and said, we want to play. Uh, the whole sentiment changed. And that wasn't a creation by anyone in an administrative or coaching capacity. Those young people who are competitors saying, we want to compete. And we'd offered the opportunity to opt out. Uh, we did that in early, mid-July. But then uh, a credit to young people for standing up and saying, I want the opportunity. Alante Taylor at Tennessee, I remember vividly on a call saying, I'll be swabbed every day. And we didn't even know what that meant at that time. We said, you can stick the swab up my nose every day if I get to play on Saturday. And, and to his credit, he did. We're talking to Greg Sankey, commissioner of the SEC. Got the season in football and all the other fall sports completed. What do you feel right now about college basketball? How optimistic are you about that? Obviously, missing the NCAA tournament last year, a lot of people out there want to know. I know the NCAA came out with their schedule on when games would be played. And what are you hearing, thinking about college baseball and other sports out there as you continue in now the spring semester? We learned a lot in the fall. Again, playing soccer, volleyball, having cross-country meets, football, golf, tennis. We're, I don't know, two and a half months into swimming, which is operated without disruption. That's an indoor sport. Um, presumably chlorine must help somehow, but I say that with a smile on my face. We're not competing, you know, body on body like you do posting up right. in basketball. So there's a lot of activity that has taken place. Gymnastics is taking place right now every Friday night in the league. Uh, but we, we anticipated uh, the, the likelihood of disruption in basketball. Um, I was open to say we can't build enough room into our basketball schedule because we play twice a week to make up games like we did in football where we had that space built in that got us to the 69 of 71 games. And so I think on the men's side, we're down a net five games scheduled. So we've moved some to play earlier. Uh, we've, we've had to postpone some. We can keep moving forward. I do think when you bring people uh, together for the NCAA tournament, uh, that that's going to be its own challenge. Um, and what you learn, there's a New York Times article last Thursday, I think, about the mental strain of the NBA bubble and why they're not in a bubble again. The same with the NHL. So when you bring people together for a long period of time and kind of go into this lockdown uh, mode, that's its own challenge beyond COVID. It's a mental strength. How do you compete? But I think we've shown we can play play it's the ability to to continue and to do so um in in what i would define as a complete way and that's where the question marks have to be acknowledged we're talking to sec commissioner greg sankey story that came out earlier this week about the university of tennessee 
They fired Jeremy Pruitt, a lot of other different uh, employees of that football program in particular. They've had press conference. They're in the process of hiring a new AD and a new coach. What do you know about that? There are reports the NCAA has been involved. Has the Southeastern Conference been involved? What is your uh, interaction or involvement in that story, if at all? Uh, we're not investigators, and uh, I think Chancellor Plowman uh, uh, communicated very well on Monday the, the nature or the source of information. Uh, I think uh, it came directly to them. And then our institutions have a responsibility to inform the conference office, and we recommend the NCA as information is developed. You want to do that uh, in any uh, circumstances where there are a lot of questions. So I credit her leadership. Um, in this work and, and others on campus. And I don't know the details. I know uh, the general set of circumstances. Uh, the reality is I, I save my, my commentary on those for later because in an investigating situation, you don't know the final details, and it's appropriate to let those be developed. Obviously, um, an important um, decision made on that campus, one that is lead them into their next chapter, and, and uh, I'll support her leadership and, as they move forward. As a general rule, I know you've worked on the Committee on Infractions. Can you kind of explain to me when the NCAA and to our audience, when the NCAA is involved early on in an investigation into alleged violation of rules, how is that looked upon compared to the NCAA not being involved as much and or sometimes being stonewalled, like we've seen, for instance, at Southern California over the years? How does that typically pl play out, not in this individual circumstance at Tennessee because a lot of the facts are still out there, but in your experience as a Committee on Infractions member, the NCAA being involved versus the NCAA being kept at arm's length, what's the impact there? Yeah, this is probably one of your long-form podcasts to explain that. In fact, there may be like three episodes because yes. every one of these circumstances is unique. Uh, a university has a responsibility to to investigate, to self-evaluate. You know, you hear about institutional control, and so digging into information is that institutional control responsibility. Um, when I, when I was on the committee, and I'm I'm not now, I always thought it was important to see how did the institution react and act as it, it received information. Um, the NCA enforcement staff is determined is is charged with determining whether there's what they call exemplary cooperation. Every school is expected to cooperate. On uh, where that doesn't happen, that is a, is a negative for the school. So the fact um, that I'll just give praise the fact that the university has has gotten on top of this has been diligent. As I understand, and digging into the information, as, as I watched the, the public release of information uh, on Monday, uh, it's clear they've taken this seriously. And the responsibility now for the NCA, and I've written about this. In fact, Pat Forty got a hold of the letter. The NCA has to move this along. You've seen a university move swiftly. Uh, I think one of the problems at the NCA level is it takes years to bring these matters to conclusion, and that can't happen here. In fact, it shouldn't happen in any circumstance. You know, the the phrase "justice delayed is justice denied" doesn't 
come from an NCA setting, but it's true. And the fact that whether it's USC or Syracuse that had a case that took like nine years to bring to the finish line, that can't happen. And and I think the, the leadership uh, in Knoxville has shown a willingness to move rapidly, to move thoroughly, and the NCA has to move in that same way. We're talking to SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. As a part of open jobs that have existed at Auburn and Tennessee in particular, uh, and South Carolina to a certain extent too, people like me who sit around and talk about who might get jobs, that's a part of the discussion in the world of sports. Hugh Freeze's name has come up several times. Uh, I know he had issues at Ole Miss. He's now at Liberty. Could he get a head coaching job in the SEC, or is he now not eligible to uh, to get that job? That's a question that fans have been debating a lot. Well, I give I give Hugh credit for his work at Liberty, and and uh, it was fun to watch their bowl game, see him with his family at the end of the game, with a smile on his face, and you know, good for him and and how he's turned the page. You know, our schools make their own hiring decisions. I think we've been clear that uh, the conference membership established a rule uh, that each school is responsible at a head coach position or an assistant coach position to fully evaluate the background of individuals. Um, they do that through our office. We share information that's uh, publicly available, uh, and then they make decisions. So we're going to make those decisions, uh, but they, they have to proceed carefully, and particularly when there's an issue of concern like has arisen this week, uh, extra caution has to be exercised. But there's no ban in particular. Everybody has to go through the process, but the SEC hasn't put out, because that's one of the topics of conversation is people say, oh, Greg Sankey has let it be known that Hugh Freeze can't be a head coach in the SEC. There's not that prohibition out there. Well, I, I won't speak to any individual. I get blamed for a lot, you may see, on, on social media. So I'll take the blame. We expect our universities, and they expect each other to be responsible in their, their personnel decisions, and they have that responsibility. But ultimately, our campuses make those decisions. Uh, let's go to football coming back. When you look towards 2021, are we talking about, in your mind, hopefully full stadiums again come September kickoff in the SEC? What does spring practice, what does spring games look like? Uh, you're obviously dealing with a lot of different sports right now, but what does 2021 for college football look like from your perspective? You know, one of the missed narratives in this is we were going to announce the 2021 schedule last April, so that was produced. And when we stopped in March... We actually had to think about, hey, do we make this announcement for 2021? And obviously it didn't happen. And so we're just reconfirming dates right now. Uh, my view is we need to put out our 2021 schedule as it's been planned, our traditional format with non-conference games. I think we saw the importance of non-conference games in postseason decision-making this year. So it'll be nice to see those again. Uh, I'd like to do that sooner rather than later, Clay. I think uh, somebody on my my Twitter account is trying to make wedding plans, and so that's an additional pressure. <laughs> well, no, look, I was gonna I was gonna read that I was gonna read that to you here. Uh, I said that I would ask a direct question from the anonymous mailbag, which I know you have swung through sometimes. My brother and his fiance are planning to get married sometime this year. He and I are diehard Florida fans, uh, and she says. They want to have the game, the wedding in New Orleans on Friday and then the Florida LSU game the next day on Saturday. 
Right now, they have it scheduled for the week of October, weekend of October 16th. Uh, she wrote in and said, can you ask SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey when that game will be played and if we're looking good for New Orleans? So there's already a lot of people out there ready for weddings and games. So when's the schedule going to be? Yeah, there's, there's actually – the one I was referring to was separate from that. I didn't. I didn't know about that one. That so was this week. That was Tuesday. Mountain. That went up yesterday. So I yeah. said I was going to ask her for you. It just means more, man. That's that's the slogan right there. Tell them that if they can just hold on for a few more weeks. Um, I don't. I actually don't know the date, so I couldn't give it away if if I wanted to, which I wouldn't. <laughs> but I think we'll get to a conclusion, and then if you back up. You know, we've practiced. We've we've gone through preseason practice, bowl practice, in season practice. So you look at spring practice as being able to happen. Uh, I've not had in my, my mind now that we'd be in disruption of that activity. And so you can go back into uh, preparation at this point. Now, if something changes around the pandemic, uh, what I've said is I'd like to announce our schedule, and then we'll go back to the mantra I had all last summer, which is we're going to prepare to play the season as scheduled, but the circumstances around the virus will dictate our way forward. And uh, we'll get back to that uh, kind of normal thought and then back to that communication point with the idea that if we can continue along a, a healthy path in the country, we could get back to something close to what we're what we're accustomed to. Good stuff, as always. Appreciate you coming on. Congratulations on finishing the season, and uh, we look forward to uh, to next season, but certainly the NCAA tournament and more as well. Thanks. Thanks, Clyde. Take care. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.